This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Okay, I'm not good at intro, so I'm just going to go ahead and start this right now. Welcome to Podcast Hooniverse Podcast, episode number 49. And Jeff Glucker is out driving Aston Martins on ice. So it's me and Zach, and we have uh, our guest, my friend, Nick Bailey, who works at Gotham Dream Cars and is going to tell us about renting cars that you can't own. <laughs> well, what do you want to know about it, man? That's the first well, question. We'll, we'll get into that in a second, but first we're <laughs> going to talk about new cars. Um, it seems like everybody on the planet has driven the WRXSTI, and everyone no. has driven the WRXSTI at Laguna Seca, if my Facebook wall was any indication. I swear to God, everyone posted a picture of, ooh, today's office. That's it, 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 Well, it's funny because we have this weird, weird world where all the journalists are friends with each other. Right. So, like, you'll post a picture that's kind of, like, for your other friends, but then all your journalist friends see it, and they see it again, and they see it again, and they see it again. Right. So, it's it's yeah. the same, like, paddock area with, like, six STIs lined up, and it's just, like, all the all the PR guys are in on it, too, because, you know, they're well, I mean, yeah, their that, job. That's a press launch so. for anybody who's listening, obviously. But um, all reports indicate that the STI is great. And, Zach, you used to own an STI. I or, did. I had an 06. Right, and you know I haven't driven an STI, but all I know about the STI is what you've told me, and you said that the last one sucked, and you don't know anything about the current one. That's true. Uh, the last one was too soft, okay. um, felt a little heavier. It, they made the suspension softer to try and appeal to like a wider market and make it more comfortable. Kind of, you know, the Evo is going more hardcore, so they made the STI go the other way. And then uh, this one, they seem to have come back to the middle. Doesn't understeer, which mine used to. Um, that was like always a, a big complaint. And so what I read, I think Alex Lloyd's review, and he said that's gone. And then um, and Johnny Lieberman said that uh, he he loved it. It just needs 100 more horsepower, which is my still remaining complaint. Yeah, but my Miata also needs 100 more horsepower. Yeah, but the Miata has at least increased power over the years a little bit. Like the SDI right. has torque, been 300 more torque. since 2004. That's true. What's the current Evo at? I think it's still at 300. No it's probably 320 or something, but right? The it, Evo? Yeah, they still yeah. call it that three, but it's, it, it, but it's still way faster on track. Nick, what do you think? I, it, it's a four-cylinder car. Like, I mean, unless you want to spend AMG money for their new A-Class. That's right. Uh, Nick is obsessed with AMGs <laughs> and big-ass V8s because he's from Texas. I, I am from Texas. I like pickup trucks and V8s. So you can just hate me on that. I don't know. It's 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 just like the BRZ argument. Everyone says it's a great car, great chassis. It just needs more horsepower. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Honestly. And you feel like the you know, I guess we get the impression that the chassis can handle more horsepower too. So that's well, pretty pretty. Well, good. that's the thing is that with very simple mods, you could get 350 horsepower out of that engine. Oh, not reliable. Yeah, that's so that's just downpipe and a tune. And I think that's the complaint. You know, the the aftermarket's happy, of course, but when you're trying to stay competitive. With other, you know, other cars, and now it's about forty thousand dollars. It's just, or it just seems like to bring people back, you know, like forty thousand by five. Yeah. And then I remember by the five. STI was thirty grand, and the so WRX high. was twenty three. Yeah, good, good times, no, good times. But this is the best great. looking STI since probably the Bug Eye. I mean, I disagree. That's I suggestive. So. That's okay. uh, I, 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 I don't think I'd agree on that. I think the front end's way too plain on this one. It's got, it's got too much kind of Camry, just absolute boringness going on. I'm, I'm not a fan. Okay, fair enough. At least it doesn't I, have to fly a vagina thing. Yeah, I like that. I like the other ones. It was ugly. At least it was unique. So I mean, there's yeah, unique. That's just that's just like a parent <laughs> saying, "Oh, son, you uh, yeah, you've got a D on the test, but you're still special. You got a lot of personality. Yeah, she's got a great personality. You know what car does have a great personality? Uh, the McLaren P1." Yes. Because that's what Chris Harris said, and he, he knows a thing or two about driving fast. Well, as the Jesus so I hear. of four wheels. Uh, Jesus of four wheels. <laughs> no, I mean, if you if, can you drive go over watch water, this video Zach? on the drive channel, because it's, it's 28 minutes, but it's great. It's pretty great. And uh, he slides that thing, which blew me away, because it's so expensive and so fast. But more than that, you should go read his written review on Piston Heads. Which is what I read, yeah. Yeah, because it's like... It blew his mind. It blew his mind, and he really explains why, and it's, it comes across much better, and it, it made me... It's almost like reading the book before the movie. Like, I did appreciate it more. Yeah, definitely. And McLaren's got a lot of uh, a lot of news lately, because that 650S is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, you know, tuned up MP412C with a nice... So basically, tape. early adopters of the MP412C are really feeling shitty about themselves. I, I saw one today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guy looks sad. He's like, I saw that video. <laughs> the guy's got the gem above our shop. He's got two. And uh, he's, got two? The he's got the first... Yeah, he's got, he's got the first he gen. Trade he's got the first gen one without the door handles. And then uh, he hated it so much, but he couldn't sell it because no one wanted it. So he went out and bought another one in the exact same wow, color. No one two years it. later. Yeah, he can't get rid of it. He God, can't it's like it. a Fisker Karma. Quit. Why would you have two of the same car with different door handles? Because fuck you, you, that's why. 
<laughs> he said half the time he would go and he'd slide his hand up and down the door. And so like you would have to sell the other one for like a you know you're gonna take you a beating on if it would. I don't. You I don't can't just retrofit it. Thousand dollars laying around, so I can't tell you the he kind of thought sell, process could, with that. He could probably sell those both <laughs> and get a 650s. Probably yeah, so, right. but. I don't know. I'm just surprised he didn't try to, like, retrofit it and talk to McLaren because, you know, I don't know if McLaren's going to – they're a small shop. They can probably do things That's like true. that. I don't know how rich people on. work. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how rich people work. But no, Matt Farah did know – did tell us that story about his experience with the McLaren. At Gotham. Oh, that's where the battery died. The window. They, they shattered the window. Yeah. I wasn't there for that. But good times. Uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah, good times. You know what's not a good time? Man, I'm just killing it with these transitions. Look at these segues. Look at this. I know they're not I'm hacky I'm on top of my all. game. No, they're, they're totally hacky. It's, hey, what's the deal with airline food? And what's the deal with the 911 GT3 bursting into flames lately? Because that sucks. Have they diagnosed the issue? I mean, do they even know what's going on? No, it? I, I guess mean, you can't they, blame... They have no real idea, so it's kind of like the SS fire on the NASA. On Daytona, no yeah. You can't on. blame this one on IMS bearings for once. I don't know. Maybe it's a glue issue, like Ferrari, or they just they thought maybe they uh, they were getting too much of the the supercar on fire. Maybe maybe it's Pendants for not offering a manual in a GG3. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people have said that. Uh, nicely done. Also, I just want to point out nice nice watch, Zach, because like you posted on Facebook, like oh your watch has a rubber tread on it. Now, hello, ladies. Oh yeah, ladies I, are. I, yeah. I bought a watch band that is shaped like a tire because I was uh, it's kind of to scare women away. But also, like Chopard has the rubber watch band. I mean, the rubber tire treads on like Mila Miglia watches, and those are like five grand, seven grand watches. And a lot of like watches that have like race car associations will put rubber tire treads on there because um, rich people are also twelve year old boys. Yeah, no, That's they, why they buy are. McLarens. Two yeah, of two of them. Two of them. In the, same, of them. In the same color. What, what kind of watches? Is two McLarens. Like a thirty five dollar made from China, sold on Etsy. Because when I saw it from far away, it looked like an IWC, and I was like, if that asshole it kinda has does. a $17,000 watch on him, I'm going to be really upset. You saw my car when I, I pulled up. It, Ladies. That didn't, that didn't enter my mind. I just saw, like, triple dial, and I was like, if he's got an IWC, I'm going to go just dumb around. I don't even know what you're talking Ladies, about. Ladies, Zach Clapman has a $17,000 watch and a $2,000 car, and he's single. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how to invest. Because he's got a Actually, that watch right. will probably – do watches hold value better than cars? Yes. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. So especially if you keep it for like forty years or something, you get like a you get like a Paul Newman Rolex Daytona that sells for two hundred thousand dollars at auction. I think if you absurd. buy a watch right now in forty years, it'll not be worth any more money. <laughs> I this, think water this, this might watch be worth fifty five dollars. It's probably worth forty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then I'll I'll be sure to tell ladies that I'm in I'm. Uh, Doing an impression of a rich person. Ladies, I, I wear a Seiko. That's a $55 watch, and I am unemployed and live with my parents. Um, all right, That's well, a Seinfeld reference. Back to the, the Porsche. I, I saw today that they are <laughs> um, – they've told all the owners to not drive them. Like they sent out a thing. They're, they're going to recall all of them. They'll pick it up at your house because they don't know why their kitchen on fire. Didn't Fisker do the same thing? And didn't GM do the same thing yep. with the Volt? And like, you know, actually, it's kind of kind of common for car companies to do that. So. I'm I don't want to say I'm glad that these are catching on fire, but on no, the tail end of on the tail end of like the Tesla thing, where everyone, not everyone, but like the guys that run the NHTSA and people that were against Tesla were calling for like you know burning Elon at the stake, right. and it's and it's like this is atrocious. It's like three cars caught on fire, right. four now, and it's like this is all the Porsche GT3s. <laughs> I mean, yeah. from Porsche. So, right, but also, you know, electric cars are a new technology. I mean, well, recent technology, if you can't discount, like, the first Porsche ever made in 1903 or something. But these these GT3s are internal combustion, and that's been around for a long time. So, right. yeah, you, you would think. You would think they would have figured that out. You would think they'd out. have this pretty much down, and it wouldn't be unless, so much Unless it was, like, the VTG variable turbine geometry or something, but that's not going to cause a fire. Well, that's also, maybe. There's no, there's no, there's turbo, no turbo in the car, but... Um, that's true. But like, but like you said, hey, it's probably glue or fast. something. It's not the engine. It's like the yeah. piston slowly there, combusts. There, there's got to be something. There's got to be some tiny something somewhere that's causing friction in a really, really bad place. Maybe some wiring or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could just be bad electronics. It's happened before. I mean, I owned some yeah. Fords back in the 90s. So, they, uh, yeah, they just catch fire because. I have never been in a car that caught on fire. Knock on wood. I don't there's no wood. Oh, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> I think you had a car catch on fire? Yeah. Yeah, it was a 94... Uh, I think it was a 94 Ford pickup truck. I think it was an F-150. And uh, just cruising down the road and caught fire for absolutely no reason. <laughs> right at the wiring harness underneath the uh, underneath steering wheel, man. Did, was, you see a lot of, did you see a lot of smoke pull over and get out? No. Well, like, the steering got real heavy, and I didn't know what I was going it. on. Because and... that happened – I read a story where that happened to an auto journalist once in Texas. He was testing a Dodge Ram, and 
it started smoking everywhere, so he pulled over and it just burst into flames. I don't know. I mean, and he was an auto journalist, which is really awkward. But it's also, also Nick is dead right now. He's actually speaking to us as a ghost. Yes, that's exactly what's going on. I don't know, man. It's Texas cars catch on fire. It's hot there in the summertime. <laughs> dude, you're just driving down the highway and there's someone pull up in a car and their cars engulfed in flames because it's 115 degrees outside. Also rattlesnakes. You'd be good at PR. You're like, it's Texas. Yeah, it's Texas. Catch you know, cars. Yeah, they just like to catch we, the fox. We went to um, Maximum Motorsports yesterday uh, to talk about Mustang stuff, and the, guy, the test driver Mike Crotcher is telling us a story of. When the first day, they, the first time they ever raced their Mustang in the American Iron Series, uh, he looked in the rearview mirror on la- on the third to last lap, and the carpet had caught on fire because the exhaust ran over the axle, you know, for street exhaust. Right. But it got the floorboard so hot, so when he'd slow down for corners, the fire would grow, and then he'd get on a straightaway, and it would like quell. And so he's like, "I stayed in it because I was in first place, and we had three laps left, so he won." And then they pulled over, right. and, then and then the car got just the burns to the out. ground as yeah. soon as as soon Jesus. as it goes in the pit. Yeah. That's that's actually the same reasoning. That's like if you drive a convertible and it starts raining, you just go faster so the water can go over your head. Except in this case, it's a fire, and you don't want it to go near your body. I've got nothing. That's <laughs> also, I I did see a a gif or gif, if you will, of um. Scenes from Nikki Lauda's crash, like actual race footage, compared to what they did for Rush, and it's spot on. It's really cool. I actually still haven't even seen that movie. I feel like dude, a horrible, horrible dude, automotive person. Because I, I have it on DVD. It. I'll lend it to you. All right. I'll, I'll fucking tie you down and make you watch it Clockwork Orange style. I don't want you tying me down in private. Okay, gross. <laughs> you went there. It's, it's okay. It's entertaining, it's but it's not. It's not one of those movies watch you can Senna watch and more then than once. Watch yeah. one. And then you're very happy. I, I, I haven't seen one either. Like that, that was like what's, a whole thing. It came and about? went, and it passed right over the top of my head. One is fantastic because it, is it? it pairs with. It's a documentary about the safety of F1, which mm-hmm. sounds dry, but what it it follows from the beginning of it, as you know, the, as we all know, the cars got crazy, crazy fast, and the speed and capabilities of the cars was outdoing the safety of the tracks, the gear, and also how much the sponsors and promoters cared. So it, it like when Senna died and they decided to, you know, actually, that was the first time they actually analyzed an F1 car with computers to find out what happens to a person and when they get an accident. And that's why no one's died in F1 car since. Right. But it, it goes, it's insane, man. In the 60s and 70s, there was a dude dying every week in a race. Right. Swear yeah, to God. So, really, like, you got Jackson. Yeah. yeah. It was really insane. that often. You guys got, they, so they talk about, like, you know, Jackie Stewart and the other guys banding together and saying like you need to put a wall here and you got you guys need to step this up because someone died last week and the week before and it's it's really really good movie right that's really fascinating i gotta well, i guess it, it kind of captures like the cowboy element of like the f1 what the uh, you know where the roots came from and why it was so popular when it was i mean now it's it's kind of a drag to watch i mean it, it it's a great sport but unless you're really really into it it's not the most well that's mostly thing. because there's no passing it's not necessarily safety because you know you can be off for safety you just want to see actual exciting racing yeah so that's, that's true what do y'all think about the new f1 engines they're bringing in this year they sound pretty cool they actually sound really futuristic they have all these like whooshes and turbine noises and stuff they sound like like spaceships from a future sci-fi movie but actually, I did want to bring up the um, the safety thing because I went to the last bookstore in downtown LA and I bought this Bob Bondurant on high performance <laughs> driving book for a dollar. This book cost a dollar and it's awesome. It was written in 1982, but in the beginning, Bob Bondurant tells a story about how he was at Monza in '64 with a car. I forgot what car it was, and um, it wasn't a Cobra, but he was going around the back bank at 150 miles an hour and he went over a bump and the rear axle fell off and he went over the bank in at Monza got thrown out of the car, clear out of the car, and went through a tree. And he he got up. He was fine. He actually stood up and walked to the car. And when he saw the car, the entire top part of the car was sheared off, the top of the engine, the top of the bodywork. The thing went through a tree, and if he had been in the car seat belted, he would have been decapitated. That is insane. Yeah. And it also pairs with that movie because the, the drivers back then didn't wear seatbelts. they were belts. safer if they got Yeah, they were safer the to be car. ejected. How is that even a th- I, I mean, I grew up with seatbelts, you know, my well, entire life. I just, just the thought of, no, I don't need that. I'll be safer if I get tossed at 100 miles an hour out of a movie vehicle. Like well, the only cars were just Bob Bondurant, through. and that was it. Uh, okay, well, that, yeah. Burning and also a 1955 Le Mans disaster. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, actually, everyone died of that, too, so never mind. <laughs> This book is fantastic. It's got like really it's bad, cool, really it? really bad photos of how to heal too. Well, also there's a section on <laughs> using video games to improve concentration. You're all playing like Atari's on that one joystick. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, rowing that will improve your driving skills. 
Well, it'll get you upper body strength or something. Only his skull is an excellent form of physical conditioning. Thank you, hey, Bob. Bob Runs a badass. <laughs> so, anyway, when you're when you're done flipping through that book, Nick, we'd like to get back to the podcast. Well, this has been Blake <laughs> and, and Nick's book hour. We'll be looking at pictures silently while you listen along. Out of Please donate the step-by-step to program NPR. that I put together in the hospital. God for everything. All right. Anyway, Lotus has a new motorcycle out. It's gorgeous. It's I don't awesome. know anything about it other than it's, it's really, a, really it's pretty, and I want one. It's going to have around 200 horsepower. It was designed by a guy named da- Daniel Simon, who's at Art Center College of Design, and um, it's uh, it's like completely enshrouded in bodywork. Have you seen it? It doesn't look like any other bike on the planet. It's um, it's a V twin, and it's uh, it's awesome. It's really that is cool. a lot of power. Yeah, well, bike. I mean, a Ducati Panigale has around 200 horsepower these days. Yep, yeah, that's a lot. That's, I mean, that's, that's like the upper echelon yeah. of a bike. That, that's kill you real fast. Oh, or totally. Like it, it's yeah. kind of absurd. And this one, like, the, the looks of this bike are fantastic from an aesthetic viewpoint. I don't know how it's going to handle that. It just doesn't look like it's going to move. And that well. is a lot I of bodywork, too. It's, yeah, it's, it looks like one kind of monolithic piece of construction. So it's kind of strange. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, have they ever made a, made a motorcycle before? Nope, never. Interesting. I'm I'm surprised they really haven't because they're all about adding lightness and you know what's lighter than a motorcycle. I would laugh at them, but Lotus oh, is genius. They they engineering is something they get. Yeah, plus they fired Danny Behar, so we're good. Um, I wonder if they brought in. That's something though. It's like even if you know, you know, they know engineering. They know how to engineer very well, but it's still cars. So they they've developed. They know the nuances and tricks of building a good car that they've right. learned for decades, but do they have that for motorcycles, or do you just bring in an expert? They they brought in some outside work because you know principles you apply to cars don't necessarily apply to motorcycles, and exactly. vice versa. So, but I will tell you this: the the uh, Zach's looking at the bike right now, Whoa! and it's awesome. That I told you, is some Tron stuff. Pretty great. Well, the guy who designed it took all his cues from the Tron films. So there you go. Uh, or just right. But I will tell you this: the best car I drove last year was was the Lotus Evora, and it surprised me because I thought it was going to be kind of janky and kind of heavy, you know, for a Lotus, and I thought I was going to be disappointed. But no, it's great. It's the best car in the world. What I've heard from those, it's not the best car in the world. But it's what I what I've world. heard from the, about those is that they all drive a little different. So I think I read a like a car and driver review. They had three of them at Laguna Seca, and they all felt different, and they all had the same parts. So it was this. I forever wrote the review was like a little bit wary. They're like this one feels faster, and this clutch feels heavier, and the steering on this one is bad, but that one's good. Honestly, it's very anonymous looking. It looks kind of like you know a generic supercar or something like that, but it handles better than any other car you can buy in that segment. Honestly, it's better than it's better than the Cayman. It's better than the Boxster. Way better than an F Type. How much is it? Um, the, I think it starts at seventy eight, but the one we had was ninety. That was the Evora S with all the packages, and um, uh, three hundred forty five horsepower, supercharged Toyota Avalon V six. Yeah, that engine is out of a friggin' Avalon. It's great. Grab a mop, ladies. You're uh. gonna need it. I don't remember if it was the Evora. I know it was a Lotus, but just before I did my internship at Motor Trend, they had one there. It was going to be a long-term. That was the Evora. It was the Evora, a long-term test car. It broke all the time. They had it for a week, and the entire dashboard cluster quit working, and they had it fixed and then brought back, and then it happened again, and Lotus came and picked it up and said, we'll have it back to you in a couple weeks, and never called Motor Trend back and never returned the car. So I, I think Zach's, uh, you know, comment oh, totally. on how they're all totally different. They're totally different. You might have just gotten one of the really, really good I put 900 miles in that car in a week, and I drove it to Santa Barbara, and nothing broke, and I didn't die. So have you driven the new Boxster S or Cayman S? Yes, I've driven the Boxster S. And is, it's, this is better than that? It's great, yeah, but the, the Lotus just feels much more natural. Like, it's... It doesn't beat the corners of the submission, but it kind of just plays along with the corners. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, mm, I don't know, like a Miata versus Corvette. That sort of huge difference. It's got more finesse, that's for sure. A little bit softer, I guess, which so it soaks up bumps better. Because not in a bad way. I mean, well, I, I, I've only driven the regular Cayman, but it wasn't too yeah. stiff. But you, you're very, you're, you're very aware of like all little cracks in the road through the steering wheel, which is gives you oh, amazing totally. feel. Yeah, yeah, incredible feel. You know, it just Bump feels steer and everything. Very rigid. It's great. But um, also, you know, that the gap between the Lotus Evora and the Boxster is also feels like the gap between the Boxster and the 911. Like you can just play with the Boxster way more, and it's more willing. To, while the 911 is just like, well, we must take this corner perfectly all the time. It's just big. Yeah, I mean, it's very big too. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Evora you ran, it was, it was a nice-looking car, but I, I just I can't imagine why, if you had that kind of money, you would spend it on that car versus oh, pretty much a, anything else in totally the segment. Totally a hard I sell. mean, uh, if you were going to track it, maybe, but even then, I mean, you could you could have a caterum. I mean, there, there's so many other options I think would be more appealing to someone who's minded in that direction. I, it It's a really, really, really hard sell. Well, uh, you, you can you can almost kind of get used to the Evora every day. I, I kind of did. And, well, you know, there's no luggage room, and uh, there's kind of some visibility. But uh, it's it's a you know it's a great car that I drove, and actually you you never see any Evoras in LA. You know LA is just so jaded to uh, ex- exotic cars and supercars and everything. You drive down Manhattan Beach and you see like fifteen Boxsters. You won't see an Evora for months. There's probably a good reason. There's probably a good reason, and it's that. because it's too. But expensive. if you want to be a hipster, like Zach always accuses me of being, because I'm could, right. Yeah, totally, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent totally. right. Says the guy with the beard. But um, you could totally get an Avora for that reason, that line of reasoning. Uh, I've seen like two Avoras in L.A., and I think one was driven by a woman in her 30s. I was like, props to you. That's I think interesting. if you want to do something different, because like we said, you, you see a ton of AMGs, you see a ton of BM3 series, a lot of Boxsters. So if you really want, if you want to separate yourself and you like, you know, you like the way it drives, and it's not that extreme. So I think no, it, it, it is a weird little market where it's not crazy looking – but it's good looking and it's approachable. I bet the engine's very easy. Yeah, but see, I got—I have a friend that owns an Elise. I mean, Exige, and I can imagine what it's like to step from the Evora to the Exige because the, if the Evora is already that incredible, like how much farther could they, is the is it like to drive an Exige? I've never driven one. Have you? I, I have no idea. There, uh, the guy who owns our shop uh, and does all the lemons racing, the woman on his team, she owns an Exige. And she loves it, and I I don't even know how she fits in it. She's gotta be six foot tall, and I I don't know. It makes absolutely no sense. But I asked her about it, and she dailies it. I see her on the highway all the time, so it must be pretty good. I mean, for someone who races for fun to drive it every day and have literally zero complaints about it. My friend with the Exige also has an Ariel Adam, and he's the one that took the famous photo of him and the Ariel Adam with the Darth Vader mask on. I don't think I've even seen that. I don't oh. know. Me neither. So it's, it's, really? it's okay. very famous. Yes, <laughs> only the cool it's, people. It's Blake Wrong famous. It's very famous. Very. I'm very famous. Anyway, um, that's all I can think of for new cars. We've talked about a lot about new cars. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on to old cars. You know what? Actually, speaking of old cars and old people, that's a terrible segue. But um, Enzo Ferrari was born this week in 1898, so he would have been 116 years old. Which is actually the age of the oldest man alive currently. So, uh, what year did oldest. he die? He died in 1990. He was no wait. He died in oh. 1988. He was 90, exactly 90. 90 years, years old. Okay. Yeah, he was um, he was born on the 18th, but the Italians recorded it as the 20th because Italy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good number. Yeah, we change it. Uh, it looks bad. So we lost in the luck So how do you say? No, I think they noticed two days later there was a blank spot on the birthday, and they were like, "Oh <laughs> shit!" What do you mean he's four already? So um, <laughs> when he died, he requested that they didn't tell anyone about his death until two days after he died, to keep with the same tradition. So he died when he was ninety, and he was he was able to oversee the F forty as his last car, which came out in eighty seven or eighty eight, one of those years. How do you think he would feel about knowing a car was named after him that used his name? I mean, like, I always thought it was kind of strange. Like, with the Enzo and now with the LaFerrari, it's just kind of like... Well, the LaFerrari is just a horrible name. I think the Enzo makes sense, though. It's You started the thing. It's a celebration of the guy, yeah. I mean, Ford is still called Ford. Right, I mean, we don't have a Henry. We don't have a Ford Henry. That'd be weird. That's because Henry's a terrible name. Well, that's because we. Yeah. (laughs) Also, there was the Henry J, but that's a different story. I I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it... I mean, do you think he would take that car as kind of like the pinnacle of what Ferrari could do at the time? I mean, I know it's still a fantastic car. I've never been in one. I probably, I, never, so. I probably never will be. But right. I, I'd like, I, I think it'd be really interesting to know if he had a chance to get his hands on it and, and, and get some seat time in it. What he would think. I, think I wonder what he would have thought about like the recent Ferrari move to turbocharging with the new California, a car that you hate, Nick. Uh yeah, it's the worst uh, Ferrari of all time. I guarantee there's people out there who disagree with me. But one, first of all, it's hideous. It looks like a Mazda from two years ago uh it's just the suspension is awful it's slow and yeah it's, it's the worst ferrari of all time i think it looks good but there are so many other cars i'd rather get than that freaking thing well the new one i think the new one looks good the current one is, 
There's just there's just like explosions in my brain right now because right. for for a Ferrari's like I think I think the look, real quick on the Enzo I don't know if he'd like it I don't like the Enzo because I don't like the way it looks, it looks. Like it's too angular and everything else Ferrari's made is smooth and beautiful but the California is an example it's got it looks like it was made by four different people I think the back the taillights are super high the trunk's gigantic right. it's fat ass it's got these right. weird gills on the side and then the headlights look kind of like sad and dopey I, th- I think it was an SL it was an SL Ferrari. Right, and it's yeah. it's a Lexus SC430 Ferrari. Yeah, but not as good looking. I, I just think oh, everything like else Ferrari's No, no, I think the, the I think the California is not as good looking as the SC. No, but the new one does have a turbocharged engine. I think it's the first turbocharged engine since like what the Mondial T, or since the F40 at least. So I mean, I don't care what engines in it. I care how it looks because it's a Ferrari. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's still hideous. I mean, are they using the same base V8 uh, that they had in the last one, and they're just turbocharging that to get more power out of it? I don't really. Yes. I, because I care so little about that car, I've done zero research on it because it's completely I, off our I radar. I don't really care either. But um, I think he'd like the F12 though. I think he would like the F12, oh. and I think he would like the La Ferrari because he's making the most of you know current technology to be the fastest and best. And um, I personally like the LaFerrari. I don't think you do. Okay, do you? I, I talked about this person. Before. I think the name is silly, but um, oh, the name's dumb. I think, but I've heard. I don't like the way it looks in pictures. It looks very busy, kind of like an Enzo. But I've heard that from other people that when you see it in person, that changes. I can't wait to see so, it in person. I think it looks gorgeous. You know. Did but I also like the way the F12 looks. Did y'all see the video of uh, Kimi uh, spinning out the LaFerrari on the test track this week? Yeah, so he was push, pushing it real hard, and, and uh, I don't know, he probably got it around three or four times before he stopped it. It was kind of entertaining. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. But I will say, like, the P1 looks amazing in pictures, video, and in person. It's got cr- and in and, well, and in person, I'm saying, but, like, you know, LaFerrari's kind of like, oh, it's really busy, but the P1's just, like, Yeah, the, the P1's crazy, but not in, like, a retarded way like the Venino. Because the Venino's just like, let's just do everything. The P1's like, okay, we can make shit look futuristic, but also can make it work, like, you know, have have some sort of function. Yeah, but, I mean, you look at the P1 and the LaFerrari technology-wise, I think they're both going some places, and while we might not like the looks of LaFerrari and we like the P1 over that, you get into Lambo territory, and they're just still throwing the same big V12 they've got in the Aventador. There's no technological anything. It's just there, so I, don't, I wouldn't even really call it a contender, really. I mean, yeah, but Lamborghini's never really been about technology. I mean, look at the Countach; it's just, it just looked cool. That was exactly it. It just looked cool, and, and you know, it kept on catching on fire. Same with the Miura; kept on catching on fire. The Diablo definitely caught on fire a couple of times. Did they? So yeah, why not? And um, you know, it's, it's always the it's always the same V12. Just throw in the back. Like, yeah, whatever. Like journalist. Uh, it's a Lamborghini. It must have caught on fire. Listen, we built this V12 back in 1963. We still haven't paid it off yet, so we just might as well put it in everything. <laughs> I, I think you're right. The Veneno looks like uh, like one of those magnets at a junkyard that they just dropped it in a pile and they picked it up. Oh, again. yeah, with all the little iron fillings yeah, and stuff. It looks like a Wooly Willy or whatever, yeah. So uh, I agree. I think Ferrari, what looks, looks are always subject, subjective, but um, the technology can't be ignored, and they're wow. all trying to move everything forward. And same with F1. F1 engines, someone was like, how, you know, how do you feel about them moving to the turbos? And I was like, they'll be fast, so turbos don't be worried. Cool. Turbos are cool. They're not going to do anything wrong. I mean, no, it's Ferrari. Stop resisting the the changes that F1 makes. It's going to be right. good, and the, I'm sure the LaFerrari will be amazing and very good. Yeah, we live in a golden age of turbos right now, and you know the Infinity Q50 O Rouge. Infinity released a teaser video, and it's just you don't see the car, but it's all just like all wastegate noises. It sounds and, fantastic, and that's going to be the sound of the future. They're teasing that it it could be a German built engine, so I'm just going to guess oh, AMG. That's, that's which, your budget AMG, which, right which, there. which which makes my insides happy. So <laughs> I love AMG. Man. Gross. All right, they're fun. Um, I have a quick uh, old old people and old cars kind of thing. Um, okay. You know, Haggerty did a study, and they uh, they're finding out that a lot of the old classic cars at auctions are peaking or dropping in value now. Which so, we like, we're, we're over the bubble of 426 Hemi's going for a million dollars? Yeah. Because that was ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we've all predicted this. You remember it's... a few years ago, like, like a 426 Hemi Cuda 1971 convertible in, like, with, like, a rare options sheet. One of one ever built. Well, of course it was one of one ever built. You could pick up your options a la carte. So every car was individual. Oh, this car has, uh... This car had the additional running light option, so that's clearly a one-of-one one built. And those went for a million dollars. Those went for a million dollars at Barrett-Jackson. 
I really hope all that's over because at some point here in the near future, I want a 964 Porsche and an NSX. And Not even that. At, at the current prices, I can't afford any of that. I'd like to own six, a seven Hendy years ago. Those sort. were fifteen thousand dollar cars or less, and no one wanted them. And now you can't find one for under thirty. That's so. the same with BMW 2002s. Yeah. Well, you're you're misunderstanding though. The old car bubble is over. The new bubble is exotics and foreign cars. So all the ones you like are. That's what we're going to be interested in. Where, where our money's going to go. Those are going to continue to go up until we are turn 80, and right. then they'll go back down. So you need so to buy you better one buy now. the NSX right now because I remember when you can get one for 24 grand, and now it's 50. 50, yeah, which isn't going to happen. I'm just going to have to buy carriers. No, no. You my would... friends who made the decision uh, early on to buy them, and oh, I and I'll keep driving my Jetta for 400,000 miles until it falls apart. Well, I am driving one next week, so yeah, but yours isn't a diesel wagon, so it's not cool. It's NSX. Oh, so what it's year? better. What year are you 2005 is the one. It's it's a story I'm working on with Honda. So. It's the press car. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I've driven a 994 uh, NSX. See, I was gunning for I was gunning for driving one of the pop up headlights ones, but yeah, you know I'll settle for any NSX because they're awesome. You're gonna love it. Like I didn't I think a car that old could feel or drive that good, but my God. It was, Clearly, you it haven't was... driven Zach's Miata. <laughs> it's getting better. Yeah, it's got some repairs done. It's for sale. Great. Oh, very nice. Yeah. It's getting better. You're getting rid of it. <laughs> That's also true. It's, but it's 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 ac- it's better now than it's ever been in the last three years. As of course, it's about to go away. Nice. So, what are you going to be replacing it with? That's the question. Crown Victoria and a Beater Mustang GT that I will share with Thaddeus. We have a budget of two thousand dollars, which we will share. Which which well, your Mustang is this like a Fox Any? body? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. You can't even really find Fox body. I think yeah, people you finally can. figured out that Fox body Mustangs are a bargain for. Thing of the century, so like they've all bought them up, but you can't in this town, dude. Really? You... Oh, I found one yesterday that was. I mean, the paint was flat black. Who cares? We're gonna right. drive it on dirt roads and do, go drifting with it. But it had like a bunch of engine mods, trans mods, differential stuff, like tires and wheels, brakes. Like as a driver, on paper at least, it looked quite good, and it was two grand. And then you can find beat stock ones for the same money, and you can find awesome ones for like five Gs. You know the cheap ones I've been finding, the cheap Mustangs I've been finding have been like. GT Mustangs from the late 90s, like the SN, not the SN95s. The, the yeah, they, they're the SN95s. After, right. after the after they ditched the five liner, right? The after after they went from the curvy design to like the squarish design before the retro one. That's not very okay. specific, but yeah, those are like dirt cheap. Well, didn't matches buy like one? I mean, he just bought a Mustang, didn't he? I mean, how so. much was his Fox body Mustang? Uh, he doesn't want to disclose. He will save less than ten. Okay, that helps. Um, but it was also a ex cop car, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an ex highway patrol car, and uh, but that thing has. Like a Ford racing engine in it and all new – well, not new shocks. It's got brand-new stock shocks and some other stuff. So it it drives like a brand-new car from 1990 right. or 88, whatever it is, uh, you know, with a slightly healthier motor. Right. And it's his is a notchback. Those are probably going to start going up in value. The notchbacks are cool. And, uh, you know, that like that would be one Especially of the highway investment cars you Especially could do. a cop car, yeah. Uh, when you say going up in value, I mean, I, I've always looked at those cars as just absolute beaters, and all my friends that had them throughout the time I was going up was always just kind of like, ah, you wish you had something that had a Chevy badge on it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but I, I just – I understand they're probably great drivers and they're inexpensive, but I could never see the value on them going up exponentially. Like, Ladies I just, like, and gentlemen, maybe I'm 100% wrong on this, but I just I don't see it happening. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, that's what people said about like Dodge Darts and like 340s and Valiants and Sweeners and you know Demons and stuff back in the day. Now they're like 11, 12 grand cars. No, that's exactly right. It's whatever we someone in our generation liked, and you like you, you were a Chevy Chevy man, which is still a stupid thing to be. Don't be <laughs> don't be brand loyal in any way. No, no. But they, if they like these cars, if you liked a car when you were a kid and you couldn't afford it or whatever, when you can, you'll start buying it, and right. that's why. DeLoreans are going to go up, and Fox Bodies, and, and that's why Hemi Cudas went up. That's why Hemi Cudas right. went up, and that's why base, like you said, darts were almost more of the example because those were pretty crappy economy cars, and you could get an option with like a 426. Right. So it'd be like you know a Fox Body with some performance package, or like an and that's SSP. why people didn't buy BMW 2002s back then. But now you can't find one for under like 12 grand. Seriously? Yeah. No, I've checked. I like those, and also I like to think that the Miata will be that too. Because look at MGBs, and also There's that's so at least many of them. that's at least what I tell myself when I cry myself to sleep at night. So. <laughs> Uh, the, maybe your generation of Miatas, maybe, but I think any of the MX-5s, well, a lot the, of the them newer are being like, ones, I mean, there's just there's so many out there, and they're all in really good condition, it seems like. Like, eight to ten years later, I don't see. Maybe give it 20 years when they've all been turned into race cars. Like, nah, it crashed. It's, it's very possible when they're all limited yeah. cars. Yeah, exactly. I, I saw someone had a 
NB Mazda Speed with turbo, like factory turbo. Those that, are rare. And he and yeah. he won like nine grand for it, and that that's a rare car. But like like he said, if it's yeah. I've seen it for millions 14, of them, which so. is insane. Well, the, the Mazda Speed are a different story because they only built like like three five thousand a year or something like that, which is like a drop in a bucket for Miatas. Are you even remotely excited about the the new ones coming out? With the oh, totally. And oh, totally. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. If I'm not on that press trip, I'm gonna shoot someone. But <laughs> that car is gonna be great. I just think it. I just think you know if they. You know, I was actually t- telling you this, Nick, the other day because I was looking at the RX-7 because I wanted one for some reason. And the first gen RX-7 weighed something like 2,300 pounds, and the second gen RX-7, the F- FC, weighed I think. 27 because they made it big and soft and fat, you know, the bane of all enthusiast cars. But then the third gen, they went back to the first generation one, and this was deep in the 90s. The FD ended up weighing like 2,400 pounds or something. So they were actually able to rescue that, like, weight climb and bring it back to the original spec. So if Mazda can do this with the current Miata, that would be amazing. Well, even the last gen, uh, when I was interning at Motor Trend, uh, we, we had two of them one weekend, and we went out uh, and we shot them and out on Highway 33. And people can say what they want about that car, but we had an absolute blast in it. So, that I mean, that was my first real experience with the car, honestly. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful for these new ones. I mean, so the current, current Miata is like, what, 2,500 pounds or something. The first one was 2,150. So even people people will still say the current one's just fat and bloated and shit. But that's still incredibly light for anything. So people are very high maintenance. Miata people are weird. Like everyone, everyone. Why can't it be the way it was? Well, uh, that's because that's how history. time works. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't yeah. know anyone who owns a Miata. Miata fans around here, you know. No, I hate Miatas. <laughs> yeah, everyone here. Hates the worst Miatas. fucking cars ever. <laughs> is your is your still broken? No, it's fixed. No, no. Fixed no he, like he, brought, he brought it to our shop and, and redid his brakes and. Got everything all fixed up real nice. Yeah, it's all washed, and I painted the tires. I painted the letters on the tires, which adds about 50 horsepower per wheel. So, yeah. I want to do that probably on take down GTRs now. I want to do that on, on Cobra, but on, I want one wheel that'll just say, fuck you. So when I'm when it's driving, obviously no one will know, but when I come like stop in traffic, just one tire, people will go, wait, does that say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like idlers, you just spray paint, fuck you. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. It'll say good year on the, all the others, and that yeah, one was like, I don't, I don't know why. Probably because I'm a juvenile with a watch that looks like a tire. Yeah, there you go. Good times. Good times. Yeah. What are we doing next? We uh, we're going to talk about our guest, this asshole that's sitting next to me. What do you want to know, man? Uh, you work for Gotham. You've been there for about a year. Uh, a little under, yeah. A little yeah. under a year, right? And um, you're basically just the only person at that shop now. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you took over from Matt. I took over from Matt uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a slow winter. There weren't a lot of people in here. I'm sure it's gonna. I'm sure it's gonna pick up over the summer. We should have some new cars coming in, and then, uh, you know, Gotham's got some new stuff going on. We're gonna do like a, a racetrack experience uh, soon. I don't. I, we're testing it out in Florida right now. I think it'll do great because our, our, you know, our weekend sprints where we autocross uh, our Ferraris and our Lambos do exceptionally well. Right. So, you know, I think it'll be fun to get people on a noble track and uh, see what they can do. I think they'll love it. And a lot of people think, like, oh, exotic car rental. You know, that just must be just debauchery all through and through. You just find, like, you're just finding, like, cocaine all over the interior and shit, right? Like, have you have you found anything weird in the cars that you've found? I have found a, a pair of cheap sunglasses. I haven't found anything of remote interest in our cars yet because I don't Jeez, think people, people find re- worse in press cars. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I don't think people realize how expensive it is to pretend to be rich. I mean, these cars, I mean, our cheapest dailies, like just under $1,000 plus – if you break it, you buy it, basically. I mean, everyone has these grand ideas of, I'm going to take this car out and flog it until they see our our, our page-and-a-half-long disclaimer that says, no, do this and this and this and this and this. And, and then, they have mileage limits, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. it's 100 miles a day. Okay. So. Which is basically what I drive in, like, a, a afternoon, so... Yeah, but it's I mean, really not much. But yeah, you know that's what you pay, and you know they get charged for going over that, right? Oh, absolutely, we charge them for anything and everything possible. Right, that works. <laughs> I think there are more stories in New York, but that it, even Matt used to work there for years and years, and it's still only accrued like York five one? or six stories. Yeah, the New York where you got them started in New York, right? And you know, like they they found drugs rarely, or like girls' underwear. Uh, I think the f- craziest one was some dude rented a Porsche and just decided to spray semen all over the back seat. Gross. 
pretty random. Out of a bottle? You asked for this. This was your question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So out of a little sample jar or something? Yeah, but I think, okay. I think like you said, like more more often you find like a Burger King wrapper yeah, it's and dark. like gum because you probably find worse in like Hertz cars. Absolutely. I, I mean because yeah. the people who are running these 90% of the time, they're going to – we're going to deliver it to their hotel – they're going to drive it two miles away to the club, park it out front, look like they have some money, try and bring right. some girl home, and then we come pick it up when they're hungover the next day. I mean, that's, right. that's and really what, what kind of demographic do you usually get? It's all over the place, man. I mean, we've got uh, – A lot of it, midlife crises or something like that? No, no. It's, uh, you know, when we've got people from all over. Okay. It's, it, is, it is everything. It's old people. It's young dudes doing music videos. It's uh, I had a mom come on a, on a, a Gotham tour, and it was for – her kid's birthday and his friend. They were like 11. Yeah. And and the mom signed it up and she brought is like she brought her husband by happenstance because they needed another driver. Um, it's it's really I mean anyone anyone that either is interested in cars or interested in being flashy or some people just want a really expensive rental car. Right. I mean yeah and even uh, like like he was talking about the mom I was there for that one uh, and she wasn't even into cars she had no idea and by the time the tour was over at the end of the night she was in love we couldn't even pry her out of the Ferrari F430 <laughs> so she also thought my Volt was fast or Matt's Volt I should say because I used that to lead the tour she's like what you what's in that thing and I was like talent <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that that trip was uh, that was pretty good man that was that was a that was a fun afternoon. was that a dream car sprint. Uh, dream car tours where you take out our, like, our spread, entire right, our right. entire fleet and you get a you get about a half day and we, we go cruise the, right. the canyons and stuff and uh, it's a good time. And you also do the sprint too, right? Is that only in San Diego still or? Uh, no, the sprint travels. Uh, they're in Texas right now. Uh, they should be back here pretty soon, and then uh, we'll be doing some Southern California dates. The traveling minstrels of speed. Yeah, they just load up in their wagons and everything. Just go. Yes, we we, yeah, trail. we load up in our in our wagons and Ford that hook river. them up to the oxen and uh, yeah, that's exactly Come on, what we do. Come on, Ma. <laughs> you have incurred dysentery. You down we got to get to the California <laughs> way. You are down a driver. <laughs> oh, great. Now we got to hire someone. Cool. Well, sounds like a fun job, right? Uh, Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive here, Dan. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to plead the fifth at this point, and okay. uh, we're, we're going to move along. That works. But you're also a photographer, and that's where I first met you when you were interning at Motor Trend. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, when I'm not doing the Gotham thing, uh, I like shooting cars. It's it's my expertise. It's what I went to school for. It's, it's right. what I love. So, And, uh, you know, 90% of my friends are car photographers now because they're either auto journalists like yourself or right. like Zach here, and they make videos for a living. So it's a small group of good people. So Nice. Yeah, and everyone from your school kind of looks out for each other, right? Or at least they think they do? Uh, Yeah, until money gets involved. Yeah, <laughs> and and then they step all over each other because uh, there's too many of us in L.A. and they're going to get paid. Well, you definitely did some cool stuff at Motor Trend, right? Tell us about the uh, 12C. Uh, that yeah, that was actually was like my first uh, real experience in, I guess, what you call supercar. And uh, we were out at uh, – what's the name of that air base out there? Uh, down okay. south. Yeah, okay. Out El Toro. And uh, – we got taken out and did some high-speed runs up and down the runway in McLaren, and, you know, I think it was my first time doing over 150 miles an hour. It was exceptional. So that and the GTR in the same day after being there for a week wasn't uh, – definitely wasn't the worst day ever. Yeah, that sounds like fun. It was good. It was good. Cool. Good times. And you just bought a new car, too. I did. I just got myself a, a Volkswagen Jetta diesel Diesel wagon, like a true auto journalist. I, they didn't have any brown ones, though, and uh. they didn't have any manuals, so I couldn't truly auto journalist it up and, and make it the most boring, ridiculous vehicle. But of it's all also time. not French, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> French cars suck. The DSG, though, is awesome <laughs> with that engine. It's yeah. like, it's because for efficient driving, and it's just so smooth. Like, it, it interacts so well. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I bought it in Texas, and I drove here, and I was averaging close to 58 miles per gallon. Damn. Yeah. It, uh, normally, it takes me like six tanks of gas to get from California to Texas, vice versa. Uh, I only put diesel in it twice, and I made it all the way to San Diego. <laughs> 58. Yeah, in the city. What were you cruising at? Like, uh, were you cruising at Sunday? I was just... cruising like 80, 85 because out in the desert, there's like – and at night, I mean, I was I, I was doing – I wouldn't say well into the triple digits, but it was 3 o'clock in the morning out in the desert, nothing going on, and I was getting 22 to 24 miles to the gallon. So you can almost digits, like right? extrapolate your speed based on yeah, that basically. alone. Like, I, well, I cut my miles per gallon by a th- by two thirds. Clearly, so. I'm going 200 miles an hour. Wait, let me do the math again. Yeah. And uh, no, it's a great driving car. I can put all my gear in it. Uh, it's totally stealth. Uh, you know, it's quick around town and it's diesel, so it's super torquey, and it's fun to drive. It's obviously not the coolest thing ever, but I'm gonna, 
I'm gonna go a Euro tuner on it. Then uh, yeah, you do want to get some, <laughs> you want to get some cool wheels for uh, it. I, I I have to admit I, I want some kind of gold or bronze wheels and I want to lower it and make it look real nice. And then there, but I found out Banks has uh, an exhaust kit for it and a tune. Which doesn't break the uh, the warranty, so that's uh, that's definitely on the to do list before I put any kind of visual stuff I want to. When when Banks did our podcast, they showed up in their Jetta diesel wagon, and it was great. Yeah, I see. That's where I got the idea because I read about what they what did they call it. Those they had like a name. It was like the Stinger or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I forget like what, that. but they did a, a ton of mods to it, and the one of the stipulations was that they couldn't do anything that would break the warranty, and they had like I don't know, it was like a three hundred and forty, three hundred and fifty horsepower. Jetta that was reliable with a daily drive. So right, and probably still got at least forty miles per gallon. Well, it actually gets better mileage. Uh, like in town, I, I get twenty five thirty, which I, which sounds horrible compared to my last car. I got like twelve, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's I, I mean they're they're averaging great, great, great numbers on that thing and. Like for a daily, you can't beat it, man. So. And your last car was a Pontiac Touring, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But um, don't you have a bunch of Banks stuff for your Dodge Ram? Uh, yeah, we, I did uh, the Banks uh, turbo kit on that. We did uh, – well, I had the exhaust originally, and then uh, I, I had the bright idea after, like, watching Monster Garage or something to take a Sawzall to my truck <laughs> underneath and uh, cut the exhaust out. And then uh, we put a six-inch pipe straight up to the back. And, uh, yeah. So what's that putting out now? Uh, my dad, since he's been daily in it, uh, they actually took most of the mods out and took my big redneck tires off of it, and it's it's kind of like he's daily now. But I mean, it's probably putting out somewhere in the, like the 420 horsepower range, I guess you know, something like that. And I don't know, 650 foot pound of torque, something nice for an 07, which isn't bad. And what what engines in that? Originally, uh, what the six point seven liter? It's the small, oh, okay. it's, so or is it the five nine? Right? Yeah, it's before they. It's I bought it the year before they went to the big one that had all the problems. So it's an O7. Right, okay. And you have the long bed four door. Yeah, long bed four door. Yeah, uh, that thing's like a that thing's like a city block. Well, it was, I got a good deal on it, man. It was the last one on the lot, and they want to get rid of it. So because because Texas. Yeah. So. Nice. Great. I for, I think for daily. For daily driving, either diesel or, or electric, if you can can afford it, is awesome. And then for trucks, diesel just makes so much sense because we drove to the King of Hammers and uh, we had a Dodge Ram twenty or sorry a Ram twenty five hundred like HD outdoorsman and it had uh, the six point two gas V eight in it and it's just not it's not the same. It's not what you want. You want torque right from zero. And it gets better mileage. It feels better. It just suits the vehicle. And gas, you just you don't like ringing it out like that. And I don't care. I mean, it can tow this, and it's got that. And it's got like 424 pounds of torque. It's just not right. It's not the same though. I mean, I've driven. I, we had a couple gas rigs. Um, well, we've got horses back home, and uh, you know, I mean, they had the power. They're big block Chevy engines in them, and we even had a Ford. But uh, none of none of them compared. Even older diesel engines. I, I don't know if it's just the, the torque feeling, the way they're geared, or what it is, but. Uh, the gas engines just don't do it. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. Yeah, and I've driven the uh, oldest Cummins diesel Ram ever from '85. It was their original prototype. I think it was the, I think it was like a 5.7 or something. It was the one they used for like every school bus from all of our childhoods, essentially. And um, that thing was cool. That thing was very no country for old men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I don't know if I remember seeing this here recently, but is Toyota also going to try and toss the Cummins in one of their pickup trucks? Because Nissan. I, I was, well, I know Nissan is, but I yeah. heard rumors of Toyota possibly doing it as well because I remember, what, five or six years ago they did that, that, that Dooley concept, and everyone was hoping and praying there'd be a, a Tundra diesel Dooley. But I think they're the rumors they're going to put a, a diesel in the Tundra, I don't know if it'll be the Cummins, because I've heard that the engine manufacturers are kind of, you know, they have kind of contracts. So if Nissan's like, we want to make a small diesel pickup truck, you know, okay, they lock it down for a couple of years. I'm speculating, but I know that that was like a new expansion. Everyone's like, whoa, Cummins like sold that engine to somebody else. So I don't know if, if Toyota would do that or if they'd buy it from someone. I mean, there's a couple, you know, like Duramax and that kind of thing. So I think it makes sense, though. Like, the, I'm excited to eventually drive that Ram 1500 that they're going to have with their new diesel. It's pretty great. Oh, it's pretty great, yeah. Super excited. Being 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 a redneck from Texas and another small diesel on the market, finally. It's, it's It sounds lame. Super exciting. I drove that thing on the launch, and they took us down Decker Canyon Road, which is insane. But I was getting, I think, like at least 26, probably around 33 miles per gallon in it. Yeah, it was nuts. I think someone in our group got 37, which is awesome. 
Yeah, that's yeah. insane. My truck it's definitely great. doesn't do that. <laughs> I get 12 downhill with a tailwind. Get one with the air suspension so. and everything, and it's fantastic. They have air suspension on them now? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my truck Dodge introduced the air suspension a few years ago, and everyone got really uh, uptight about it because they were like, oh, it's not going to off-road properly. It's going to break, but it rides incredibly well. It so. does, but I, I do still have reservations about long-term ownership for airbags because we, we did a thing with uh, an airbag company, and – and I asked, you know, like Range Rovers you see on the side of the road a lot with the front bags collapsed. And it's they're always higher mileage ones, but I asked how long do these airbags really last? Because they, they are a uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Is it a maintenance thing? No, I think it's just rubber. Like, you know, you have rubber moldings on your car. They dry right. out. They crack. So, like, they, that, they wear. They, mm-hmm. they wear out, and they'll develop leaks, and they'll eventually become brittle. And it's like a $20,000 fix. And actually, I was thinking on the um, – I believe on the 1500s, I don't know if those get airbag suspensions, but they definitely get the – get coil springs. Yeah. Because they all switch to coil springs, and I think they do get the airbag as an option. And the coils are pretty great as well. So there's no leaf springs on the trucks anymore? No, no. No, not on the 1500s. Oh, I don't okay. like, you know, the 25, 3500s ones, you still get leaf springs. Okay. So. Our, our Ram yeah. had leafs, and they were real tight, which – that's just because we weren't towing. I mean, some of those trucks, like – they gave you for a press truck, and we needed something that could handle, like, some light off-roading. And it was just, like, we are bouncing all over the place because it's meant to have trailer weight and, like, payload in it. Um, but without that, it was just, like, doing, doing, doing. We were just getting rocked around that cabin. I also drove a 2500 Tradesman with a stick and the 6.7-liter Cummins, and that's the, probably the second most fun car I drove last year. It's great. You don't even need first gear. You're in first gear for, like, 600 RPM. Then you have to shift. And, um... It's it's fun. It's like it's not too big, but it's got the 6.7, and the manual really helps it. And Dodge is the only company that still builds manual trucks, well, you know, full size manual trucks, because Ford doesn't, and Chevy definitely doesn't, because a lot of towing people still love um, manuals, mm-hmm. so they're still building them with six speeds in them. Well, the manuals are great, but I mean, if you've got a Chevy that's got the Allison transmission, in it, man, it's it's there's there's no need. I mean, we've hauled stuff up and down the grapevine tons and tons and tons of weight and it's never been an issue so right and you that's what bu- you have the shop any of the manual the automated manual yeah, yeah, yeah. all you gotta do is flip a switch and shift up or down and it, it works fantastically great so i mean while the stick can be fun uh i hate to say it but i think it's even a little outdated for these trucks because i mean you got what seven speed eight speed automatics and some of the new ones coming out and what 400 horsepower, six, 700 foot-pound of torque. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to have to drive around in town with that all day. I think that'd be horrendous, yeah. especially if you're towing a trailer. I'm getting so. a I'm getting a Chevy Silverado High Country tomorrow, so that should be interesting. That's like the super loaded luxury version. I'm a little concerned about your definition of fun because you said that the driving that truck was the second most fun car you drove it's last cool, year. It's cool, man. you got to try it. It's one of those experiences that you have to try. I mean, I've dri- I, I drove – well, it's older, but, it, you know, the – Ram manual at Gotham is dually, and it is fun. It's like when that thing's empty right? and it's got a tune yeah. on it, and it's you go into third and you just blow smoke down like Olympic you've Boulevard. Got, you've got like this gigantic metal shift arm that's like the size of a baseball bat, and you're just like <laughs> yeah. And they're just fast. I yeah. mean, it's, it's fun, it's, and people yeah. move out of your way, and like you feel like if anything, if everything went wrong right then, or if you just decided to snap, you are prepared. Oh and yeah, like nothing can stop you. Blow over cars, it's great. Yeah, yeah. but funnest. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Have you ever seen like a good movie or uh, a balloon? <laughs> I remember my first. I remember my. I remember my first beer. Uh, uh, so what are we driving this week, Zach? You didn't drive anything, but you are. You have been on some road trips lately. Yeah. Speaking of diesel, Blake. Oh, how about oh that A8L? Golly gee, is um, that a diesel? You have a TDI, right? We had a, a yeah, we had an A8L TDI, which is amazing vehicle. Uh, we drove about a thousand miles in two days. Don't suggest that to anybody. But I've done that before. It's like a spaceship. It's got the most notable things are the room, which is great. You right. know, Thaddeus could sit behind me, and he's six four, and he was he could cross his legs. He was fine. And then uh, radar cruise control, though. Yes, it's the best. But I believe I believe it is the same interior as the A seven, and I drove that S seven for about three months. And also, the radar cruise control doesn't work over ninety five, which is what I'm annoyed about. That's true. When you when you turn it on, <laughs> it it, it uh, there's a red ring that goes around the speedo, shows you basically the range that you can set the speed at, right. and a hundred is the max. Now. If you're driving across Nevada, I mean, I think uh, yeah, you might. I, if yeah, but then just use your foot. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know if you can set the cruise at 140, but it'd be know, great. I you think the can't... radar though, 
I think they're smart, actually. Don't For them to not advertise our radar is good enough to keep you safe at 140 miles an hour. That's like, just that's liability. But also, 95 yeah. is already impressive anyway. And the radar is the best of any system I've ever used. Really good. It's almost, wonderful. Oh, it's only, perfect for LA. no problems. Oh, yeah. It'll go down to zero. Right. And then it'll start you, back up. It'll it will not start back up from oh, zero. Right, you have to either tap the gas or you can pull the uh, the resume lever, right. and then it'll do it. And I was stuck. It took me four hours to get from L.A. to Santa Barbara last week, and uh, I just sat there with like my feet on the floor and just it would slow down, and I'd tap the thing and it would accelerate, and you, you have massage seats and it, it, the massage seats are fantastic. The massage seats are fantastic. I did the L.A. to Santa Barbara thing every day for six months at Motor Trend, and I they had uh, the non-diesel version, I guess, by the 2011 A8, and it was the greatest, greatest commuting car I think I've ever been in. Yeah. Well, A7 didn't come with the massaging seats. But um, I will tell you that when you're going up the 101, it's two-lane, and you know people will pull out the pass trucks all the time. And, you know, if you do that or the 5 going up north to, like, San Francisco, it gets really annoying having to slow down from 80 all the way down to, like, 65 and then all the way back up to 80 again. So it's it's great. Yeah. No, I mean, the system was almost flawless. Uh, it doesn't doesn't slow down for corners, which we learned on an off-ramp. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes, like, someone will be moving out of the way to exit the freeway, and the car will think that they're braking and slowing down when, you know, normally you would just pass them. It's, like, extra cautious. But otherwise, it's flawless. Uh, it brakes nice. It accelerates smoothly. Our, our mileage is good. And the video is going to be funny because uh, Thad made a list of these stupid old Americana, like, roadside landmarks to go see. Oh, great. That were built in, like, the 40s. What, like P. Sue Pandersons or something? I hate that place. So I've been to that place, much. and it worst, sucks. Worst food Ugh. ever. Yeah. Worst food ever. Yeah, they're really good at making billboards, but we did they, not they, there. The billboards are nice, and other than that, it sucks. That place is terrible. That place should have been burned down in the 70s. No, we went to Randy's Donuts, and then we went out to the, the dinosaurs near Palm Springs. Oh, um, okay. We went to the world's largest coffee cup, which is uh, – Did you go to that big donut in Long Beach that they're turning into a Dunkin' Donuts? No, we did the big donut in L- by LAX at Randy's. Right, right, right. And then, so we went all the way up to um, – Burlingame, where we went to finish it at Pez Factory, but the video should be quite funny. Pez Factory's in Burlingame? Uh, no, sorry, Pez Museum. Oh. It's very small. The people that run it are a little weird. No, I bet. I've been to the Arnold Schwarzenegger Museum in Austria, so the people who run those small museums are weird. Yeah. Um, but it was a great car, interesting trip. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I bet. That sounds fun. I was, I was cranky about all these stupid exhibits. I was like, this stuff's so stupid. Exactly. And then we get there and see when I'd be like, I fucking you're like, you're told like the, you. You're like the teenage girl of every family. Like, oh, come on, kids. This will be fun. We're going to the ra- Winchester so Mystery House. No, fuck. This is stupid. I want to go play Xbox. I think I'm. that's what any kid will do now. Those things were really great when you needed to advertise your olive store. No, actually, I take that back. Did he go to the Gilroy? Did he go to the garlic whatever, everything we went in Gilroy? to the biggest artichoke in Ooh. Castroville. You know how big it is? I kind of want to go there. Not fucking very. No, it's the size of your head? And is even... Artichoke, or no. just like some shitty yeah. concrete thing they painted green. You're forgetting that I made a detour, like I made a three-hour detour when I was driving across the country to Kansas, where I went to the world's largest ball of twine. But that's, that's big. kind of great. But how it was it? it's the size Huge. of the studio, the size of this house that I live in right now. Yeah, and I gotta add a piece of twine to it, which was amazing. See that I know about, and and like the world's biggest chair is gigantic. But we went and saw the world's biggest olive, and it would fit on your couch. That's kind of big for an olive. How big is it? Proportionally, big... yes, but as far as an attraction goes. Wait, like, is it the size of, like, one of these cushions? It's, no, like, it would fit, lengthwise, it's between the legs, of the, the arms of that couch. The, the okay. Ottoman, possibly then, larger than Yeah, a little ottoman. bit larger than the ottoman. Like, take that's, a big That's kind of huge for an olive. I mean, Compared I would. Compared to a real olive, yes, but as a spectacle, it's not one. Yeah, but you're not there for, like, an, uh, like an afternoon, like you're going to the LACMA or something. You're just there to take a picture and drive off. I, I know, but it's, these things are trying to, like, draw you in. And when it says world's biggest, and then you get there, and you could pick it up, you're they, mad. They do have a point. You're it mad. is it's technically. You could put in a giant martini glass and have a bar on site. Bingo! But I'm there guessing that didn't happen. No, it was between two motels. How do, Oh, Re- like really, that sounds about right. Really sketchy motels? Yeah. Like, like, like Where is the world's psych- largest psycho, olive? You're, you're going to die here. But ding, 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 ding. It's in Lindsay, California, which is... That's not a real place. That can't be a real place. Small town outside Bakersfield. Oh, was it next to Katy, California, or Jennifer, California, or every girl I knew from middle school? It's well named after all of the women that were killed there. Oh, great. (laughs) Lovely. They're all named Lindsay. Thank you, Ted. That was the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Like a bisexual. Yeah, it was was whatever. Um, Great. And then we had the uh, Jaguar XFRS for a while, which does amazing burnouts. 
But yes. it's a hundred grand, and so is an M5, and you should buy an and M5. So is an F Type. Actually, less. yeah, but if you want four doors in a trunk, yeah. buy an M5 because yeah. this feels okay. the first car I ever reviewed for t- for smoking tire was a XF Supercharged right. in 2010, and this had the exact same mat- interior, exactly. Yeah, it's which old. I loved in 2010, but it's but I mean I got in, I was like, really? This is a hundred thousand dollars for a wing, a little more power, and like the wing's pretty ugly, giant but giant wing though. I have driven have the, it. Yeah. Have the blue one? Is that, uh, no, it's uh, red. Really yeah. beautiful color though. I have driven it, and it, is, it, is, it does handle really well, like way better than I thought it would. But, yeah, you know, I didn't really look at the price. No, it kind of it drives great, and if, you, if they're selling it for like 70 because you can get a uh, the XFR for it starts at like 83 and that's, that's a great car, right. and it's twenty grand under an M5. But when you're, when you're it's seriously even with the M5, which is just way more advanced in every way and is right. a brand-new car, it's just like you, you, can't, you can't justify it. Yeah. And in terms of driving, though, I mean, was it – was it as fun as an M5? I mean, was or because I mean, everyone says a new M5. I mean, granted, it's it's a rocket ship, but it's enormous and kind of ugly. At least the Jag's attractive. I mean, in, in my eyes, I, I I like the look of the new M5. I think it's better than the, the last one with the V10. But um, it does the Jag does feel smaller. Uh, I drove in the canyons, I drove it a lot, but uh, it, it it feels a little bit smaller. Handling's great. The steering feels great. The transmission's pretty quick. Um, I think you get a lot of pleasure out of driving it. It's very tail happy, and you know it'll, it'll roast tires so fast, like smoke instantly. But the M5 like is a rocket ship. This is fast too, like real fast. But it's just a li- like a last generation fast. You know, supercharged V8 versus twin turbo V8. That has dual clutch, which is it really is like a cat. last generation car. Yeah, because yeah. you know in tw- in 2010, 2012 when it came out or something like that, it was awesome. But Jaguar's never really been known for like being state of the art when it comes to fast. They've always been known for you know throwing throwing whatever big engine we got in it, and whatever else happens, it just happens. Yeah. So, would you say it's different enough to like to, to separate you from the M5 crowd though? I mean, yeah, it's worth hundred grand just to not be driving a BMW. I mean, you never or an AMG one, so. or something like that. I mean, it's I mean in the town where we see AMGs and M cars nonstop. I mean, if you could have this giant Jaguar with an awesome wing on it. It, it, it could be worth it. I don't know. I see. I see what you're saying. I think I would rather have. I've always loved Jaguars because I thought they were better looking AMGs, and this has a better transmission than every AMG other than the SLS. Um, so I would take it. For, I would take the eighty-three thousand dollars XFR over a similar AMG for sure. I think they're. I think they're gorgeous, and they're and like you said, they're different, and they're like just playful and fun. But this is like you hipster. But I just couldn't. I couldn't like walk into a dealership and look at the hundred and then look at the M5 and then look at the Jag and look at the, and I, you, I couldn't get into it and go ninety nine thousand dollars sure, you know I yeah, I couldn't could, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Couldn't do it. That's uh and that's my story. And I'm st- and you're sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Great. You know what I'm driving this week? Uh, I saw a Kia something. Kia Forte Coupe K O U P like a coup d'etat or something like what's going on in ukraine and venezuela right now how do you like it uh, really? it's boring you know i drove a kia soul last week and uh, it was a charming car it was a very 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 fun little thing to drive and i really liked it and it was cute and it was a little too obnoxious but it was also kind of cool and you know if if you're like a young person like a youth like a millennial you could totally get a kia soul and it'd be cool you know but this kia Soul, i mean this kia forte is Basically the same car, but it's just so much more dull, and the doors weigh about 1,500 pounds, and the satellite radio cuts out every five seconds, and it's it's very slow. It's got really slow responses. Somehow the steering sucks more because, like, it's got a fatter steering wheel, and somehow that, in my mind, think, makes me think that the steering's slower and crappier and less full of feel because the Soul is just – such a better car to drive. You mean like the steering wheel diameter is bigger? Or the, yeah, like the, the, the width the of the actual oh. wheel itself. Oh, well, BMW has a pretty thick wheel now, which is yeah. nice. I like it. Yeah, you know. Um, I've never driven any Kia product, so I can't say one way or another. Steering's not great on any Kia. The Soul had pretty good steering feedback. The the Forte is just like every other Kia where it's dead. Like Hyundai's. Actually, recent Hyundai's. Some recent Hyundai's actually have, have had better electric steering, but... It's just a thing that like Jeff and I will gripe about all the time. Like, oh, there's nothing. There's no. There's no. There's no resistance when you turn a wheel, right? You kind of want to feel like it's elastic, like you're pulling mm-hmm. on a rubber band, and that's what makes Lotus Avoras and Mazda Miata so great. Because you feel like if you let go, it just spring right back to center. But this is just like you turn it, and you just 
Yeah, you know where it's going right. to go because you're the car has to go. You're watching. You're watching the car go that way, like a video game without force. Yeah, feedback. exactly. And it's like hard to program that in into electric steering, which is why hydraulic systems are so great. And actually, I believe the STI has a hydraulic system. So yes, you know, initial reports said the steering one that was really great. Mm-hmm. So I think for drivers' cars, they got to keep that until they get it really good. The Porsche 911 electric steering is good. But nice. that means that has to trickle down all the way to Kia. Yeah, but even the 911, I, the steering with that, I wasn't that impressed by. The Boxster, I thought, was a bit better. But it's really, I, like, yeah. really hard to I had to very tell. few complaints about, yeah, about our 911. So, Kia Forte Coupe, um, I'd rather get a Civic Coupe, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'd rather get a Civic Coupe, because I can't really think of anyone else that's making small coupes like that. Can you? No Corolla Coupe? There's no, there's an Elantra Coupe, but... Mm. FRS. Yeah. Now that's now we're talking about like boring coupes, not Oh yeah. Like <laughs> then who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scion T C I drove that a few weeks Man, ago and it's yeah, yeah, that car was awful. That was the worst feeling gearbox I think I've ever that was awful. Bad. Real bad. There's yeah. no there's no other words. It was awful. So buy an FRS. And on that consumer advice bombshell, I think it's time to end this episode 49 with Nick Bailey. Nick, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having thanks me, for gentlemen. Bringing, thanks I, for I bringing the beers. Something halfway intelligent. Nah, you never do. But uh, it's all right. So, all right. <laughs> thanks, Zach, for being my co-host. And um, let's let's hope Jeff wins a gold medal for us in Colorado. Aston Martin bobsled. Yeah, exactly. Something's gone wrong. <laughs> America. America. That's, that's all I have in British Come on, just, just beat the Russians. <laughs> America, please. We'll see. We'll see Jeff as he returns from Sochi next week. All right, guys.